Sorry, before we start, should I ask you? So we refer to you as pointy gun. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. This is gonna be edited out. Okay. Um, hi, pointy gun. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. I want to start off by asking, how do you come up with the with the pointy gun persona? Like, what purpose does it serve? Um, that's a good question. So what we initially thought of was uh, Porygon, the AI generated Pokemon. And I used to be big on the Pokemon trading cards in the early 2000s. Um, so we took this AI generated Pokemon and we renamed it to uh, Porygon, which is also playing on the fact that we're basically building all our NFTs on Polygon. So it's Porygon and Polygon. And we changed the L to an R because, well, it's an adult entertainment game. I think that's an interesting segue. So like an adult entertainment game, um, can you tell us a little bit more about like, I mean, obviously um, we don't want to keep it PG and we want to obviously, you know, be adherent there, but um, <clears throat> it's a fascinating space. Um, you know, I've worked within the metaverse uh, space for, for a while now, and I used to get contacted on a daily basis, basically from either, you know, um, adult content providers or, uh, you know, uh, casino and gambling type orientated content. Um, it's obviously pushing a, uh, you know, it's going to be pushing boundaries. It's going to be a very exciting space. Tell us a little bit more. What do you think the future um, holds for, for that type of um, vertical? Um, sure. So it's a, it's a huge industry. Some of these websites actually get more um, uh, monthly traffic than Netflix does. Um, it's just something that's not so much well-known in mainstream media. And obviously they're staying away and there's some censorship going on. But I think especially now with the emergence of NFT and empowering content creators, I think there is a big gap that needs to be filled in the market. And once the industry gets a hold of crypto and NFTs, it's just crypto is going to take over the whole industry, I think. We've seen it a bit back in, I think it was 2018, when the first website started accepting crypto as a method of payment, um, because just banks wouldn't, didn't want to work with them. Uh, uh, card processing didn't want to work with them. So they just switched over to, to crypto. And I think there's a lot of potential for crypto in this industry in general. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're all familiar with what's kind of happened last week with OnlyFans. Um, Correct. Massive debacle that happened there, and they kind of reneged on on that new policy change. Um, do you think this is the start of something? Um, you know, is this a, a, a start of something that we should be keeping an eye on, or do you think it was a PR tactic? Actually, can you? Sorry, can you also touch on what happened in OnlyFans? Um, I, I need a bit. Of, I need a bit of a refresher for that. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So OnlyFans came out, I think, at the end of last month, um, that they didn't want to have any, um, I think it was hardcore or softcore content on their website anymore. And they wanted to switch more into a mainstream um, social media app or like social setting. And that is a lot of counterparty risk for content providers. So in the March pandemic last year, OnlyFans had a huge increase when, it, uh, when, when the global lockdown happened and a lot of people switched over to become content providers. And if you're having that, that counterparty risk and your main platform and your main source of income just says to one month to the other, yeah, we don't, we don't want this anymore. This is not good for us. Then obviously there's a lot of, of censorship and a lot of problems that are coming on. So I think this is something that we've seen in YouTube. We have seen it in OnlyFans. It just keeps on repeating throughout different industries. So I think people are looking for alternatives and something that is um, 
much, much more, let's say, free in an aspect where people can can do as they please and they don't have that counterparty risk. And I think blockchain itself is quite censorship resistant. It was always meant to be decentralized and that applies to also NFTs and uh, content is now being traded, let's say, on uh, OpenSea and other marketplaces. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think content, I mean, you know, these marketplaces like OpenSea and, um, you know, Terra Virtue and, and they're very large centralized uh, marketplaces. Do you think that, you know, there's going to be a movement to, more towards a decentralized marketplace? I do think so. So it's it seems to me at least that marketplaces are becoming the new trend. Back in 2018, everybody wanted to make a crypto exchange because they saw how much fees they're making. And now we're seeing the same with uh, marketplaces where, for example, the cyberpunks are selling for hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. And these marketplaces are making a good uh, 2%, 2.5%. So I think we're going to see more and more um, of these marketplaces that are popping up. And I think they're also gonna be much more specialized. So OpenSea right now is very uh, general and you can find a, a variety of things on there. But yeah, I definitely see more marketplaces popping up and also more decentralized censorship resistant marketplaces. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the, the concept for me and the power of NFT is ownership, right? So like if you uh, think about it across many different types of content, uh, music, art, um, you know, videos, or pretty much anything that requires ownership. I mean, even a, a house one day could be an NFT, right? Um, surely, like, what we want to be moving is a direct-to-customer type model. Um, and don't marketplaces kind of still facilitate the middleman? That is correct. Um, I think a lot of people want to get rid of the middleman, and especially in blockchain. And having this true ownership of an item is one aspect. But I also think that you can just very easily implement um, royalties within the smart contracts so that the actual content creator gets rewarded every time it gets sold on an open marketplace. So it's not just a one-time sale. It's also more going in the direction of residual income and being rewarded. So if a cyberpunk, for example, starts off with trading at, let's say, $10, moves all the way up to a million dollars, then most likely the, the person who created them will not see anything unless they have set royalties within a smart contract. And I think more and more people will make use of that. And I think also in the gaming industry, that's something that we're going to see when the, the whole concept of the open economy is going more into these triple a games yeah yeah i mean there's there's amazing projects out there that are already you know setting the tone and uh, i think we're going to be um, entering a very exciting space especially from a diversified revenue uh, perspective but then in revenue there also comes a, a certain level of exploitation right or income there becomes a level of exploitation what are you guys doing around the um you know protection of the owner you know the ownership and um content creators um, so at cyberpunk.net, what we want to create is basically an, an open space for people with, with open minds. So you can come into the game and you can come in either as a citizen, um, which we basically are doing through the NFT. So the NFT becomes an access. Um, or you can come in as a content creator. So as a content creator, we will have live streams within the venues. And later on, we're also thinking that content creators can basically... Uh, create their own NFTs. So that would have two use cases. Number one, what we discussed with royalties and empowering them as content creators and giving them this censorship resistance platform where people can basically create. And the second thing would be that um, these NFTs could be having use cases within the game 
and also then um, make people come back within the game and have them use these these NFTs. For example, it could be a voucher, it could be an in-game item, it could be some form of armor or a guard or whatever you want to do. Um, so, so on that note, what exactly is Cyberpunk? Like, how how does it benefit people? How how do you play the game? What 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 are the mechanics or and the experience? Um, so at cyberpunk.net, what we came up with is that during the global lockdown, we wanted people to have the possibility of going around the world without leaving their home. So what we started off with is basically we had different partners and all of these used to be, or they are still actually um, real bars um, around the world. So they're in Berlin, Bangkok, Tokyo, Rio de Janeiro. And what we basically did is we took a 3D scan of the actual venue and then replicated that within cyberpunk.net. So the actual game will launch most likely by the end of this month. And all these places, all these venues that we'll have initially are actually one-to-one replicas of places that you can go to in real life. So what we're trying to replicate is something that is a night out, but adding a potentially an MMO and RPG kind of twist to it. And of course, also playing into the aspect of having NFTs within the, the, the in-game items within the game. What are you building it on? What, what are you building it on? Um, so we went for Unreal Engine um, because we think that right now we've seen um, the very pixelated kind of like what, what happened with gaming in the 90s. And I think what will happen in the future is that we'll see these AAA game studios coming into the market within the next couple of years. And uh, we're trying to kind of forefront, uh, forerun basically that movement. Um, we've seen, I think, Star Atlas that's also building on Unreal Engine and that's bringing basically higher end graphics into gaming now. Yeah, have you seen their on- onboarding, their portal? It's quite mind blowing. I think they've done a fantastic job just presenting that initial user experience. Um, what do yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, what Sorry. do you guys think about the onboarding experience? It's as it's as important as the eventual you know in-game experience itself. Uh, it's going to get tougher and tougher for us all to kind of like you know get the attention and shine. What are you guys thinking along the lines of the onboarding? Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah. So um, you know the Star Atlas example is just they've got such a beautiful, seamless, uh, very slick onboarding portal into the, the metaverse um, and they haven't even, you know, officially launched yet. So what are you guys mm-hmm. doing with, with that thinking, the user experience? I think um, what we're working on right now is also um, still the trailer uh, while we're basically building the venues. Um, so we're also trying to have more um, game development shown on our social channels. Um, but I think it's exactly the same. Like you need that beautiful, mind-blowing, like immersive gaming, like right now, um, a lot of gaming in the NFT space is playing on the, the play to earn aspect so that people can come, they can make money. And sometimes gaming is left a little bit behind. So I think what we will see now in the coming years is basically that games will develop such as, let's say, Call of Duty or RuneScape or um, World of Warcraft, where people would come just to play the game, not just because they could make money, um, but just because they love playing. And I think what we're going to see with NFTs is a whole open economy where players will have the possibility of doing both. You have a very immersive, high-end graphic game that makes you come back but at the same time you can make a little bit of money off it at the same yeah. no um actually 
as a, as a gamer, I kind of think I kind of think about it like this. Like there's there were a lot of games that came out in the past where you know the the appeal to it was to make money. You can you can trade in-game currency for like real life currency, and okay. those games sucked. They actually sucked completely. So no one actually played them, and they died out within a few years. Um, so you have to get the experience right. At the end of the day, the product is a game. I think you know the the appeal to earning comes second to the experience of the game. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I mean, there's a lot of when when we had back in the years when World of Warcraft was a big thing, there was always this underground market of people farming all day and then selling the the in-game currency the gold or in-game items to other people but if they got caught they would basically get their account banned or their items would be frozen um so people were always trying to hustle and make money with it but i think what we're seeing now with the nft movement it's becoming much more um obvious and i think a lot of people want to make uh they, they want to play games on the weekend and they want to also make if they can make a little bit of money at the same time i think that's going to be a good a good combination and right now i think it's more going into the esports kind of category where people become professional gamers and need to dedicate their whole life to it but if you can do it as a hobby i think that's going to catch on quite quickly yeah. uh, did you see i think it was last week they announced um i don't know if it's kind of official but it sounded like it was uh something to be taken consideration of uh, china is trying to bend a certain amount of gaming time spent uh, mm-hmm. within age gap. I think I think it's below 18. You're not allowed to spend a certain amount of time gaming. What do you think that's going to do to the gaming industry? Um, it's kind of like you know, it's the the um, forbidden tree kind of a scenario for me. I think it's going to be it's only going to push demand up. But what do you what impact do you think that these type of policies are going to have on the gaming industry? I think it comes back to um, just just censorship in that sense, so that people are being stopped. I think they did it because they had a huge problem um, with people just spending too much time with it and addiction problems. And that's <laughs> that's a, um, a game that's too immersive at that point, I think. Um, you definitely should have a good balance within your life of not just spending it all in, in the game. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the more you're trying to block it, the more people will just get interested. I think we've seen it in crypto, we've seen it in the gaming. I think um, the more people trying to shut it down, the people are like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Let me look into it. How can I do this? Yeah, I think you guys are obviously, you're targeting a, a very specific hedonistic type of appeal. I think you will be creating a very interesting scenario where addiction could become a mainstream problem for you. What are you guys doing to, or what are you thinking about that in terms of like, you know, your user protection? So at cyberpunk.net is basically what we want to create is a society. So we want to have um, an in-game constitution and we want to have some form of mechanism that um, the original adopters of the game have the possibility of changing the in-game dynamics. So if they think something is wrong with Cyberpunk and they were one of the first players to actually come on board, they should be able to basically change that. So we will obviously oversee and we will also have the um, voting rights in it. But I think the best person to decide if something is wrong with the game is the actual player and the community. Yeah, community governs itself, yeah. And marketing, what, what are your growth aspirations? What are you guys doing just to get that sort of the, the, um, your, your brand out there and the, the opportunities with, um, uh, with your, your platform? 
Um, marketing is always a tough one if you're working in a certain industry um, because you're not fully covered by um, certain medias. Um, we definitely are on uh, Twitter. Uh, we are on Discord. And we're now also having uh, <laughs> what we're we doing right now, the podcasts that are coming out. Uh, we have some specific niche uh, media outlets that want to talk to us and we're still in touch with them and we'll see what comes out of it. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm actually wondering one thing. So we, we touched on OnlyFans and, and kind of the crisis that they're going through right now. When it comes to your game, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you said you have those live bars. Who, who exactly is making money? Um, out of it like are there going to be are there going to be performers are there going to be um, real people performing is it, is it going to be like a like an avatar representation of a real person and you know what what would happen if you're if your game were to shut down um so that is one of the things that we're also doing and that's what we also have been thinking about a lot so what we want to do is we do want to p- go into the play to earn model um, to answer your questions, these live streams will be real people, actually. So these are actual people that work within the venues. So you can see them on screen. And if you ever come and visit that bar, you also have the possibility of meeting them in person. Um, what we're also going to do is these people will make money either through performing and later on, most likely they will be able to issue their own NFTs and create their own co- custom content that would have some form of use case also within Cyberpunk. And what we're now thinking of is having, what we initially thought is that people would need to have a real bar in real life to basically come on board on Cyberpunk and open their own venue there. But we now actually are thinking that that is no longer the case. So it is obviously much easier if we just come into the venue, take a 3D scan and rebuild it in the game. But I think what we're going to do is that people will have the possibility of actually building their own space. So having the whole thing of virtual land, a virtual venue, and actually having real-time employees working within that venue. Um, that's kind of what we what we're thinking going towards. Very cool. And you say you're about a month out. Of, is this going to be beta launch or are you, are you a month away from the, the full uh, launch of the, the platform? Um, so this is going to be the beta launch with, I think, three venues that are coming on board. Um, and then from there, we'll basically have regular updates of adding more venues to, to the entire game. Cool. I think um, if people are interested to obviously find out more about this, um, what, how, where would they want to go find you? Where are you most active? Um, you know, just give us a little bit of a path to how, to, how does someone get involved? I think the easiest way is to go to cyberpunk.net. Um, you can find us there. You can also find, uh, you have the whole links to the uh, social channels that we have on there. The best place to get started, I think, is Discord. We chose Discord because we are a game and Discord is mostly used by the gaming community. And if somebody wanted to learn more, they could also go on Twitter under cyberpunk world. So I, I think I've... Khalid was talking about a point there and just in terms of the economics, maybe we can um, just go back to this quickly. Are you guys thinking about tokenization or a tokenomics type factor to this or is it purely based on an NFT uh, economic system? So for the initial 
phase what we thought of is that we at cyberpunk.net we want to sell 6106 nfts all of these nfts are built on uh, polygon we're using the erc 1155 standard and these nfts will basically serve as a lifetime membership access to cyberpunk so you will need one of these nfts to basically access the metaverse um, once we have sold out the 6106 nfts we'll actually lock down the game and we'll keep it just to these uh, to that amount of players and then we leave it up to the players to decide what should be done next should we onboard more players should we expand the world first do we need to work on the game more and we have obviously also thought about tokenization um, most likely because we will have a crypto wallet connected we might have um, microtransactions within the game so you can make purchases there you might have a marketplace within the game um, but thinking of issuing our own ERC-20, it has come to mind, but we haven't made a fixed decision on it yet. Well, um, there's obviously there are utility partners that you could look at, uh, maybe maybe even us one day, uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, it's been absolutely awesome talking to you. Um, I'm re really, personally, I'm quite intrigued in what, uh, what you guys are doing. Uh, we know that the internet currently exists because of really two reasons. Uh, one was you know, uh, adult content and the other one was gambling. And that really was popular, that, that what made everyone uh, get internet at home. So um, I'm very intrigued to see what you guys are, uh, what you're gonna be able to achieve. It's exciting that you, you're also just a month out. Um, so the timing of this podcast and um, yeah, I think it's gonna be very exciting to see what you guys uh, manage to, to get going. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's interesting times. And I think Cyberpong is, is